Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boost next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy on Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, good to be with you Monday, June 19th, 2023. Episode 417 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. Hopefully everybody had a nice Father's Day, if that applies. Father's Day is always a sensitive one for me. Because there are a lot of people out there who are either estranged from their children. A lot of dads, a lot of moms, of course. But there are a lot of fathers who don't have rights to see their children. And a lot of those fathers are really good dads that have been failed either by cruel spouses or the court system. So to all the dads out there that could not be with their children, I wish you a happy Father's Day. And I hope in the not-too-distant future you can actually be with your kids because I know for me and Ken Flo, it's our greatest joy. And uh, father's rights is just something I'm very passionate about. A couple guys in my wedding uh, have dealt with a lot of issues over the years, so I just want to get that out there off the top. Are you in Massachusetts for Father's Day to see longtime Anakin Florian podcast listener Gus Florian, or is that not why you're there? I, I, I am, man. I, I unfortunately did not get a chance to spend time with my kids on Father's Day, but I did spend time with my father on Father's Day, uh, who I haven't seen in a couple of years. So it's been been way too long. I haven't seen my parents in a long time. My mom's coming off a, a surgery. So it, 
it's uh it's been good to to see them and catch up with with family members that I haven't seen in yeah like, like I said in a couple of years and it's good good to be back in the bean dude. Oh, it's great to have you back in the bean. Yeah. I feel like we're well represented. <laughs> and of course, later today, Florian Martial Arts Center in Brookline, Massachusetts. Seminar for Ken Flo. Members, it's free. A little bit of a small charge if you were a non-member, but I'm not going to dive too deep on that because by the time a lot of you watch and listen to this show, that seminar will have already expired. But happy Father's Day to Dr. Gus Florian, one of the best thoracic surgeons this nation has ever seen. And I hope your mom heals up. Now, you're in Newton, Massachusetts, and I'm all over the place. I'm at my mom's house today. I'm in the middle of a house renovation. I'm trying to get AT&T to the house this week to figure out whether or not I'm going to have an off-location studio or actually be at my house. Uh, But had I not been on the road today, I was going to book your brother, Keith Florian, because your face is pretty mangled right now. The lighting in the room you're in isn't great, so we don't see how damaged you are. But when you and Keith train, it's always like fucking UFC 82 all over again. Who got the better of this session last night? Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, go light, he said. It will be a light uh-huh. training session, he said. It will be fine, he said. Uh, yeah, dude, it was uh, it was fun. We put the gi on, and uh, what started out what started out as, hey, let's go over a couple moves, uh, you know, slowly evolved into just full out uh, hard training. But it was great. Yeah. It was great. I uh, I did okay. I did, you know, listen, I got like 30 pounds on Keith right now. Keith's like yeah. thin. Keith's like in shape and I'm like, you know, chub flow right now. So uh, I had a little bit of advantage there. Keith's more technical than me. I got him in some tough spots, but that dude will not. He's like Houdini. I'll get him in a tough spot and he'll find yeah. a way to get out. He's a tough little prick. I'll tell you that. It's uh, <laughs> it's so fun to reminisce, right? And uh, I was actually talking to uh, to your good friend, Dr. Scotty, who you lived with in Brazil. Yeah. Over the weekend. I know he reached out to you about possibly doing stem cell on your back. Actually, breaking news for the Anakin Florian podcast listeners. Ken Flo and I might go to Tijuana, Mexico together in December for yeah. a week. I have a torn labrum in my right shoulder. Ken Flo has some back issues. So we might attack that all together and do a live show with Scotty. But we were both sort of professing our love for Keith Florian. I was sort of joking that he's my favorite Florian because he's just got that feisty edge to him always. And it's just funny that you ended up being with Keith about 48 hours after I talked to the doctor. But no, Keith was your chief corner for your UFC career. And I have so much respect for Keith. And when I was researching Kenny Florian in 2007, before I had even met you, right, we were launching MMA Live at ESPN.com, and I was going to be going to Somerville, Massachusetts, to Mark Delagrati's Team City Tong, like the following week. So I'm doing research on Kenny Florian, and yeah. I'm reading about you and Keith on the mats together in your basement, the mats sliding all over the place. So I knew there was this undeniable kinship between brothers. But then one of the other things I came across when I was researching you before I even met you was you recounting this story of when you lived in Brazil, you fell off a cliff seemingly to your death and then survived. And for the first time two days ago, when I was talking to Scotty, I actually got to hear a firsthand account of that story other than your own because he was there and he said you fell off an 80 or 90 foot cliff. His life stood still for a moment. He had a momentary pause and he thought, we're in the middle of the jungle. How are we going to get helicopters up here? And then he peers over the edge and 20 feet below, there was just a little bit of a cliff hanging out. And somehow, some way you landed on that thing on your back and it saved your life. Dude, it literally, that's exactly how it happened. I was, uh, yeah, it it literally was one of those life flash before you, you know, uh, 
for your eyes moment. And um, yeah, that, that actually was one of the biggest, I mean, that's probably the biggest reason why I started martial arts full time and then became a fighter full time. Um, right. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So was that the beginning of your back issues or definitely not? Not that I know. It definitely could have played a part. I landed <laughs> on my back, you know, uh, better that than my head, I guess. But um, it, it definitely could have played a part. My back's pretty sore today, but that was just from Keith smashing me into the mat. But right. uh, yeah, it um, it definitely could have played a part. But, you know, it's like you do jiu-jitsu for as long as you did and, you know, MMA for as long sure. as you did. It, it's going to play. It's going to play a part, too. So, yeah. But if you could have seen a 30-year-old me, maybe I was 29 at the time, right? Really dating ourselves and our friendship, walking into Kenny's gym, and I couldn't wait to ask him about not the fight against, you know, Diego Sanchez or Sean Shirk. I couldn't wait to ask him about falling off the damn cliff. And in closing this out, I will just say, Scotty and I had like a moment of anxiety as we had this conversation the other day because he was reliving all of it, and I was getting real details on on what it transpired but we're happy you're still here what were you Thanks, doing so man. close to the cliff bro jesus uh, we're, we're, we, we were we went off the path and it was like you know we're, we're like literally in like rainforest type environment and it's all wet everywhere and there's like moss and grass and dirt first my buddy slips and we all kind of laughing like oh man that would have been bad and i'm like kind of chuckling to myself and then it was my turn i slip and i'm just sliding down like a literal slide my buddy goes to grab my shirt at a tank top on flip me around and he couldn't hold on because of like the weight and the, you know, how slippery it was. And he, flipped, he flipped me around. So now I'm going head first off the mountain, dude. So I go head first off the mountain. I just feel nothing. And then I'm falling. And that's where I literally just saw my whole, literally like, just like they, they talk about in the movies or whatever, my whole life flashing before my eyes and I'm falling. And it was probably like a second before I hit the ground. And I'm just seeing everything. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to die this way. That's crazy. And I, I was always afraid of heights and used to have dreams of falling all the time. And uh, and again, after that, I was like, man, life is short. That could have been the end of me. I remember being sad while it, when I was falling. because I was like, man, I never, I never chased my dream. I was too much of a pussy to go out and do what I actually wanted to do. You know, I had a fine job. It was okay, but it really wasn't what I was passionate about. And I was like, man, I can't believe I'm going out like this. Like, this is going to be my existence. And then when I, I landed and like, you know, just thinking about that experience a couple of days later, I like, like my whole life changed. I was married at the time at like 23 years old. I, I got divorced. I went into martial arts full time. I was like, you know, sleeping at my parents' house at friends' houses, you know, like, you know, I was the dude who always showed up to lunch or dinner with no money in my pocket. <laughs> People uh-huh. got to pay for my meals and. You know, I just kind of scrapped by until uh, until I got into the UFC, I guess, and, and had a few fights. So, yeah. Wow. It's amazing. It's an amazing <laughs> story. And it's funny for me to sort of think about how much my life would be different professionally and personally had you, you know, fallen to your death in that moment, yeah. right? Last thing I'll ask, the journalist in me wants to do a deep dive, but there's so much that happened in the MMA world. But when you land on that, little jut ledge right what are you thinking like how do you get off that ledge to safety yeah so it it knocked the wind out of me i I landed on on that it was like a rock it was like a rounded rock so i don't know how first of all i don't know how the hell i didn't land on my head like i I always think about like maybe in a different dimension i did die and this is like a different experience but anyways i uh i i I, uh like it knocked the wind out of me 
and I, I hear my friends kind of talk like, oh my gosh, I hear someone go, oh my gosh, I think he's dead. And so I'm like, I knock the wind out of me and I just start laughing. I just start <laughs> laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm alive. And, 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 and I'm like, I'm down here. And I like, didn't say it very loud because it, you know, it kind of knocked the wind out of me. I'm like, I'm down, I'm down here, guys. <laughs> they look over and they're like, oh my gosh. And then I ended up, you know, they lifted me up. They kind of like gave me a hand and I kind of climbed my way back up the mountain a little bit. And, uh, and like everyone was just silent coming off of that experience. But I, I don't know. I remember just being relieved and I was literally laughing after I fell because I thought for sure I was going to die. And it was just this like, I don't know, kind of a rebirth. It was weird. Weird. Well, we're glad you're still here, and we're glad, <laughs> unlike Yoel Romero, you're not fighting at 46 or whatever age you are. A lot to get to today. We got Kempo live in Boston, a UFC fight night, and a main event they'll be talking about for years to come, I would think. Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cantonier. A lot of respect for both of those athletes. Not sure it's going to hold up in any fight of the year conversation, but an outstanding fight, and you do wish it happened in front of a capacity crowd. PFL 5 in Atlanta, Georgia, Francis Ngannou and John Jones with a little stare down. Ken Flo had a front row seat for that. And time permitting, just some uh, career appreciation for the now 23-5 and Sergio Pettis, who adds a win over Patricio uh, Pitbull to his legacy. But let us begin uh, with PFL 5 in Atlanta because you were there. So Francis Ngannou in the building. John Jones is there cornering the crochet boss, Maurice Green. Pretty special night, I would think, in Atlanta. You got to see the greatest living American, Brian Stan, as well. I mean, this night yes. had it all, I would think. Dude, it was awesome to see Brian Stan. I haven't seen him in a long time. He looked phenomenal. Is he getting younger? Like, what the heck? He looked phenomenal. I'm like, dude, this guy's getting younger. He looked great. Um, But, yeah, and then having a chance to see Francis Ngannou in person for the first time. Like, I have a pretty big head. I got a big melon, as you can see yeah. on the screen. And I'm looking at his head and his shoulders, and I – it's just unbelievable to see how large <laughs> that man is. Like his jaw, his head, his hands, yeah. his shoulder. I, I just, I remember just being on, being in awe. Like I, I look like a midget next to him. Um, but that that dude is is amazing, and uh, you know, just it, it's impressive to see him uh, operate and walk around. But, anyways, uh, yeah, and seeing him next to John. By the way, John Jones is not a small dude right now either. Yeah, uh, he looks like a monster right now too. But just he, you know, his body still isn't the same size of, of a Francis right. Ngannou. But right. to see him, to see them together and just talking trash and uh, you know a little bit of uh, trash talk, and um, what was was pretty cool, man. I, I maybe maybe just maybe we see that fight one day, but it's going to be tough. Obviously, two different organizations now, yeah. but it was just pretty surreal to see those two face to face and, and kind of talking to each other. Yeah, 265 pounds can come in all different shapes and sizes. And even yeah. when John Jones fought Cyril Gaon, he'd be the first to tell you he was not in the best shape of his life. He yeah. couldn't wait to tell everybody after he had submitted Cyril Gaon that he was going to come back into the Stipe fight or his next heavyweight fight, his first title defense in much better shape. Didn't seem mm -hmm. as though John Jones was in fight shape necessarily. But yes, bro, Francis Ngannou is absolutely a sight to behold. He's the most ferocious power puncher that I have ever seen in mixed martial arts. And uh, you're going to have a front row seat for his next fight. So that's Oof. very exciting. Um, yeah. In the main event, John Jones's guy, the crochet boss, Maurice Green, did not get it done. It was Ante Delia. Am I pronouncing that right? Exactly. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. So 
Dalia is a guy who might have the inside track on a fight with Francis Ngannou, even if there isn't going to be uh, a major groundswell of support, at least right now for that fight. But as Dalia continues to win fights in the PFL, that's going to help build his case. You know, Maurice Green, classy guy. I've followed most of his career from kickboxing to the UFC. Only made $21,000 this Saturday night. Obviously, if he was able to win this fight, he can start to see these paydays mushroom. So a little bit disappointed for my friend there. But Ante yeah. D'Elia wins the main event and uh, at least preserves the Francis Ngannou fight for one more night at the very least. What do you have for us on the heavyweight headliner there in Atlanta? Yeah, that's right. I, I thought Mo Green did a great job of, of surviving some really tough spots. Um, I, I do think that he was kind of... Um, under the wrong illusion that he was winning that fight. And I think that's kind of where he failed. I think he took his foot off the gas um, and, and went into cruise control a little bit too much. He stayed on his back at a very critical point during the fight. And it was Ante Delia who, who really won that fight. Um, uh, you know, because Maurice Green kind of, kind of just chilled after round one. I thought he had an awesome round one. It looked like he was going to be on his way uh, to maybe getting that upset win. But, um, it was Ante who was just a little bit too much, a little bit too much ferociousness. Uh, his takedown game, his control was a little bit too much for Mo Green. And, uh, and, and I agree with, man, that like Maurice Green is, is such a good dude. Uh, he, he's a great guy. It's great to see the improvements in his game. He had so much more, uh, so much more confidence and a lot more skill because of training with John Jones, but wasn't able to get it done. So that would have been one of those fights where potentially, it could have changed his life, you know, had he gone on to the semifinal right. and, and, and then win in the final. So unfortunate for him, man. But I think as he goes back and watches that fight and looks at that in earnest, I think he'll realize, man, I, I think I did lose that fight. Yeah. And you sort of got to what I was trying to get to, right? Father of two, Maurice Green, this tournament giving him a chance potentially to change his yeah. life financially. And uh, we'll see if he can find his way back into the tournament. But we congratulate Ante D'Elia. How about Larissa Pacheco? I think you tweeted something to the effect of like people still don't quite realize how good she is. Obviously, she shined over the uh, the weekend in Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, you know, most people are, are tuned into the UFC and, um, you know, not, not as many people watch the PFLs. They're not, not sure of, of the competition that she has faced over the course of her career. But Larissa Pacheco is an absolute savage. I mean, she's got to be on the list right now as, um, you know, one of the best female fighters in the world. I, I was saying it last year, certainly one of the hardest hitting uh, females in the world. And now establishing, establishing herself as one of the best. And she said that, you know, she really has been inspired by Amanda Nunes and, and sees that as a legacy that she wants to have in this sport, being the champion, 155 pounds in the PFL last year, defeating Kayla Harrison in, in, in the final and finishing everyone uh, last year on her way to the final um, was really impressive. And now, um, you know, after having a, a much, much better weight cut than the last time around this year, uh, that was, she, she brought back her old self and man, she was impressive uh, defeating an excellent uh, Muay Thai specialist in Amber Librock. Uh, and she just looked like an absolute juggernaut, man. Just so much power, so much speed, so much ferocity. And I think she will continue uh, with her winning ways onto the, onto the final. And in two divisions, right? This was a featherweight this fight, is, correct? Sorry, exactly, exactly. I very believe this is a division at 145 pounds now. So she could be a two-division champion yeah. in the PFL now. So absolutely establishing a, a similar legacy to Amanda Nunes. Obviously, you know, needs to compete for a longer period of time, like Amanda, but uh, trying trying to accomplish uh, very much the same thing. Yeah. 
Very impressive win for Larissa Pacheco. Aspen Ladd made $100,000. That's nice to see. You know, I try yes. to follow some of these fighters who uh, who are outside of the UFC, maybe started there. Like you and I called some of Pacheco's early fights in the UFC. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out for her there. Now look at yes. her now. Aspen Ladd, maybe at times a victim of expectation in the UFC, yeah. made hundred grand this weekend. And uh, what about this Biagio Ali Walsh? Seems like kid's got a lot of potential, yes? He does, man. I, I think he really has a good head on his shoulders, number one. He's very mature for his age. He's taking the right fight, still just an amateur, um, but pretty cool to see uh, Muhammad Ali's grandson uh, yeah. go out there and compete. He's putting it all together very well. He doesn't want to just be known as you know just a grappler, just a striker. He truly wants to be a complete mixed martial artist. He's on his way. He understands where he is at at this point in his career. He's training in Vegas over Extreme Couture, has great coaches, great people around him. And I think he's, you know, him and his team are building a good career so he can advance. So when he does turn pro, he'll be ready to rock. So, yeah, good kid as well. And PFL right back at it in Atlanta this weekend, right? Olivier yes, Obama-Mertier. How you doing? But it's like being an NFL broadcaster back to back to back to back. <laughs> oh, you got one more week. So it's yeah. three straight in Atlanta. Three straight. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. So one more Is week. Brian yeah. Stan fucking going to be back in the building this weekend? I what? hope to see him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him very long. It was kind of a high hello, quick hug, and uh, you know, good yeah. to see him. So I would like to see him again. Yeah. yeah. He is aging in reverse a little bit, or so it would appear. Dude, he looks great. I, I hopefully we'll be able to get dinner. I think that's the talk. So hopefully that, yeah, that will good, that'll good transpire. Yeah, maybe you guys can Facetime me so I can uh, yeah sign <laughs> vicariously through you guys. <laughs> exactly. All right, plenty to get to. Of course, UFC Fight Night, Batori versus Kennedy, or headline filled event at the UFC Apex. And to help us break that down, let us get to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. It's Kentucky Derby time. Are you ready for the greatest two minutes in sports? Well, saddle up with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Download DK Horse now to join the Run for the Roses action. New customers, 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when you opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app today.
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See terms at dkhorse.com. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. I mean, you go to UFC.com over the weekend, and there's a feature story on Ray Longo. Unbelievable, really? this guy. <laughs> How are we doing today, guys? We're doing great. How are you doing? Congrats on a big weekend. I'll tell you, great weekend for the team and a uh, great weekend overall. You look a little uh, off today. How are we feeling? Is that the sun hitting <laughs> my face? I look a little off today. What does uh, that where, mean? Where are you in a, are you in a I'm vacation in my home right now? Oh yeah. No, I'm in my mother's house. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to get boy. to the bottom of my uh my yeah, mama's boy, you could say that. I'm trying to get to the it. bottom love of my it. internet issues. So we relocated to Delray Beach, Florida today. Before we get into yeah. Jared Cannonier's mastery oh, and Marvin Vittori's otherworldly toughness, uh tell wow. us a little bit about your weekend, Charlie Campbell, Dennis Bazooka. How'd it go? Man, Bazooka, big win. Uh hopefully he'll get the call to the UFC. Charlie Campbell. Came back with a great fight after his, uh, you know, last fight, which didn't go his way. And I thought Damian Nelson won the fight, but uh, he lost a split decision. But, right. Kenny, you want to see beautiful footwork and head movement, go watch that fight. Really, really awesome. nice fight to watch. I just don't know what – I don't know what anybody wants when that guy fights. Because uh, sometimes, you know, like, you know, the slick movement and stuff, they just – I like, I appreciate that. But, right. gotta, you know, it's just something I guess nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. But no, I go to UFC.com and the headline was something to the effect of uh, long go surrounded by young talent. You know, it's keeping him young in this game. You know, yeah. of course, yeah, selfishly, I'm reading the article to see if there's any mention of the Anakin Florian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is keeping me young, too. You guys can't let me go. Right. No, I this think that, that I, uh, agree. I agree with you. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, let us dive in to Jared Cannonier and Marvin Vittori. And candidly, I care less about the significant strike record. I care much more about Jared Cannonier's performance here, Kenny, at 39 years of age. Let's start with Ray because he was on hold for a few minutes. But unbelievable, this guy. When you think back to this guy as an FAA aviation specialist, training half the year, right, working for the FAA as a heavyweight out of Alaska, and then he goes to light heavyweight. Now he's one of the best middleweights in the world. And basically in a fight that was to determine whether he will ever fight for the title again, gets cracked in round one and then turns in this historically great performance. What were your thoughts on Jared Kennedy? Yeah, absolutely blown away. 39 years old, looked better than ever. Like you say, not only a great performance, but he did get rocked. So he had to come yeah. back. And that's even, I think, the older you get. You know, when does that wear out, right? So, I mean, what a great, great performance. Output off the charts, uh, and he had to regroup. I love those fights where a guy takes the best of what the other guy has, and then he comes back and and does, you know, fantastic. And that's exactly what we saw, great movement. Both, I thought both corners did a great job in the fight. I'll be honest with you, I thought they were both on, and uh, it made for a great fight. But hats off to uh, John Crouch and Cannon. I thought that was by far the best I've ever seen him. And maybe it's because he had, you know, the right dance partner that was willing to, uh, right. 
you know, exchange with him and be able to take what, what he's got. Cause I don't know what the heck Vittori's got in his head, but man, he, oh. he yeah, crazy because, you know, Cannonier looked like he was getting his head snapped back worse than uh, Vittori and Vittori was getting bombed on. Like it oh, was, my gosh. so hats off to Vittori too for toughness. I thought uh, Dewey Cooper did a great job. I think, you know, I, I he, he not that he was listening because he was circling into the power hand and he couldn't. I think he was pleading with him to go away. I thought Dewey had that fight knocked down, but uh, for some reason, Vittori just wasn't like listening totally to, right. to what he was saying. Made perfect sense, though. Kenny, uh, Ray hit on a lot of things I had in my notes about both Dewey Cooper and John Crouch. We know John Crouch is a jiu-jitsu guy, right? But he is a mm. an outstanding mixed martial arts coach. And right yes. after round one, he immediately had the right adjustments. Kennedy yes. immediately refocused on the footwork. And I don't know. I just thought both corners, to Ray's point, did an outstanding job. Two supremely conditioned middleweights. And I thought Dominic Cruz was on fire with the commentary. Uh. Just coming back to the conditioning. Kenny, what'd you think of uh, a pretty epic UFC main event there? Yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, I, I've known John Crouch a long time, originally really known as a jiu-jitsu guy, but he really has uh, evolved into an excellent mixed martial arts corner. You know, when you're a mixed martial arts co uh, corner or coach, Ray knows better than anybody, you know, it, you have to be a technician. You have to be a psychologist. You have to be a father many times. You, there, there's so many different roles and you need to know what you need to do as far as pulling those strings to get your fighter to do what they need to do out there to execute and win. And I thought Crouch did a phenomenal job. And again, both corners, Dewey Cooper, one of the best in the game as well. So I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and in regards to the fight itself, in my opinion, definitely one of the fights, uh, one of the best fights of the year so far. Um, I think you had it all. You had a lot of drama. You had back and forth. It, it, there was fight. You know, the fight took place on the ground, took place on the feet, um, a lot of momentum shifts. Uh, for me, I do want to talk about that stat, John, because the reason I didn't pick Jared Kanir was he suffers sometime, sometimes from a lack of volume. He ends up, you know, analyzing a little bit too much and doesn't throw a whole lot in fear of the takedown. I thought Marvin Vittori was going to look for more takedowns. It looked like he didn't for some reason. Um, and Kanir just started unleashing combination after combination. And that's the Jared Cannoneer that I knew was, was, was absolutely capable of doing that. But I was dubious of, of that because of the fact that sometimes he doesn't throw his hands like I think he should. This was not the case. And to see him come back after a tough round one and regroup and get his head right and yeah, throw yeah. those shots with yeah. that amount of volume, I thought was phenomenal. And Ray, absolutely agree with you. Best fight. Uh, that I've seen from Jared oh. Cannonier. No question about it. So um, excellent from both men. And the toughness that both those guys showed, dude, what a fight. And, John, I'll tell you, what makes it great, too, is that he got hurt early. So even when he's doing good, that's what makes a great fight. You, you know he could get hurt because he already was hurt. So there's always that anticipation Vittori could come back. And even though it didn't happen like that, it's yeah. still made for, you know, you're still sitting on the edge of your seat. Anything could happen. I love those type of fights. That was really, really a great fight. 100%. So Jared Cannonier has now won four of five. And when you look at the career since moving down to 85, the only guys to beat him, Robert Whitaker by unanimous decision in 2020 in a main event. No, that was a three-rounder, excuse me. And then uh, Israel Adesanya, obviously, for the title. And 
That title fight against Adesanya was 11 months ago. He's responded with wins over Sean Strickland and now against the very durable Marvin Vittori. Before we spin it forward on Jared Cannonier, how about the Italian dream Marvin Vittori, right? He's still a young man. He's impossibly hard to put away. I thought, Kenny, there was some sort of adrenaline dump at the end of round one, and so round two was particularly challenging for him. I don't think he necessarily won round three, but the resolve and the heart and the offense that he showed in round three, like anytime Marvin Vittori loses, Ray, like I feel like I have buckets of respect for this kid in defeat, even when it's not a great performance for him. And even if you want to argue he lost four or five rounds here, just an absolute Italian fucking warrior, you know? Yeah, no, without a doubt. No, hats off to Vittoria. And 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 he's young enough, even though that was that was a tough fight. But I think I think he makes I think he makes a couple of adjustments and he he is gonna be better from that fight. I think he got caught off guard. He didn't think it was gonna go. He I don't I think I think he's with Kenny. I don't think he saw that amount of volume anywhere in any tape he's he studied. And Kenny, I I, I don't know, I guess you picked uh Vittori, but a smart yeah. pick. Uh, you know, so when you when you lose a pick like that, and the guy does something you've never seen before. Right. You, there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? But the, it's not that he didn't even do anything. He broke all records. It's cra- That's a crazy performance. That is a crazy performance, man. It really was. So uh, I I would have picked Vittori. I didn't even know if I thought about the fight, but I definitely would have picked Vittori. But now we have this cannoneer who we think is going to come every time. He better show up like that every time, right? Because that's the guy we that's the guy we want to see. Well, and if he is to work himself into a championship fight again, and Israel Adesanya is the champion that he is challenging, hopefully it will be more of this approach, right? Because he was reluctant to take risks in that fight at UFC 276, and uh, he acknowledged that a lack of volume, Kenny, has been an issue, and it certainly was not an issue in his record-setting performance uh, at the UFC Apex on Saturday. So as we spin it forward, I don't know exactly what you do with Marvin Vittori. I think he's going to beat both mo- beat most of the guys in the top 10. Uh, but for Jared Cannonier, he has expressed interest in maybe being the backup for Israel Adesanya's presumed next title defense the second week of September in Sydney, Australia. But mm. we have this eliminator between Drakus Duplessis and Robert Whitaker, but it is happening about eight weeks before that fight in Sydney. So, Kenny, I'll ask you, and then, Ray, any thoughts you have on the 185-pound division I would gladly take. Kenny, I don't know what Adesanya's appetite is going to be for a Cannonier rematch right now. Certainly, this performance helps Jared. And you mm-hmm. and I can say, hey, I'm more intrigued to see Cannonier Adesanya, too. But the question is, what do you think Izzy's appetite might be to take on Cannonier after what we saw Saturday night, and how realistic is it that that is actually the next fight? Because I'm just not sure that's the next fight. Right. Um, I, I think it certainly helped his case, right? I, I think that's kind of where he suffered in that Adesanya fight. He was hesitating a lot. He didn't really throw as much volume in that fight. But after having that performance in you know one of the best fights of the year, I, I think it helps his case. Will Adesanya take it? I don't know. I think he wants new blood. Uh, you know, I think he wants to face someone new, someone different. Um, but 
you know, coming off of that knockout win over Pereira, I, I feel like he feels like he can tackle the world. It doesn't matter who you right, put right. in. Right. So, that, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? 100% so, Kenny. But, uh, yeah. But Vittori, Vittori. Yeah, yeah. That guy is just something <laughs> tough, man. No, that was, that I, was awesome. I'm a- yeah. I'm agreeing with Kenny. Unfortunately, there's a couple of divisions. I think we spoke about this a week ago or, or, or whatever, but there's a wide separation between the number one challenger and the, and the champion. And a couple of, like, the guy's just never going to be the champ. I forget who the hell we were talking about, but I don't think I'd, I think, it like, again, I'm going to go, Kenny phrased it really nicely. It helps his case, but there is no case, I don't think. I think there's a wide separation. And the reason why sometimes he was inactive is because of the way, what is he's putting out? You know what I mean? There's a big difference when yeah. you're hitting a guy and nothing's coming back, but you're not going to have that luxury without a son. And that's if you even can hit him. And then the frustration builds about missing them and maybe being out of place and getting counted. And that's why it, sometimes you see the output, not as high as it was in the other fight. I think there, there came a point in that fight where, Cannonier just didn't think that uh, Vittori could hurt him anymore, and it was right, almost right. you know like target practice. So only the guys when you're in there, you 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 realize what's going on from the outside. Sometimes it's oh he's not doing anything, right? That's what it looks like. But you know, guys faking you a little bit. You know, yeah, it, it, there's a lot going on, and I think that's what causes the hesitation sometimes. Yeah. But maybe he's figured it out. So I think one more fight where he has a very dominant performance. Yeah. We could make a case, I would think, but uh, that division to me is wide open. It is, it's yeah. It's open. a little bit tricky because a lot of these guys have faced each other, so you can argue. Yes. And again, Which so much respect it. for Jared Cannonier and Marvin Vittori and what they put forth, right? But had Marvin Vittori won this fight, right? Vittori's already fought Izzy twice, so that fight right. is not going to happen. A third meeting between those two is just not going to happen. And to Ray's point, you're talking about. 14 months after Izzy utterly dominates Jared Cannonier. Yes, Cannonier will have beaten Sean Strickland and Marvin Vittori, but it just doesn't seem like you're going to run that back as your headliner no. in September in Sydney. So promotionally, you see what happens with Robert Whitaker and Drakus Duplessis. You know, if Whitaker wins a 30 to 27, I'm not sure Izzy's going to have some great appetite to fight him a third time either. So you're right, Ray. It's wide open for a guy like Drakus Duplessis, even right, for exactly. a guy like Chris Weidman, right, yeah, yeah, to yeah. come back. Yes. And if he can finish Brad Tavares, you know, like there's yeah. – you're right. I do believe the division is ripe with opportunity, even the winner of Paulo Costa and Ikram Alaskarov, you know. But I don't know, man. I Cannonier couldn't have done much more other than to yes. finish before to maximize that showcase. He, he, but I'm just not sure his, he's going to be next for the belt. He 100% did his job. He did it impressively. Uh, again – it, you might not want to focus on it, but it is a record, and yeah, I think it means a lot uh, against another guy who could throw some volume and who's a good counter striker. So, yeah, I don't know. I like again. I think Kenny said it. He, it's good for his case. I just, I just think there's a wide disparity between Izzy and ninety eight percent of the other guys. Yeah. And you're not going to do Whitaker Cannonier again as a co-headliner if Robert right. is able to dust Duplessis. Right. It's going to be interesting. You, yeah. What do you do? But I do believe, as crazy as it may sound to some, and as much of a homerism as it may sound to some, you know, Chris Weidman might get a championship fight if he can string together <laughs> two straight wins. You just never know in this well, sport. That, that's the good it's thing true. about one time being a champion. You get a lot of respect and you deserve that, type of, deserve, that, deserve that type of attention. Now, I would like to see Chris maybe get I mean, he mixes it up beautifully, but I'd like to see him get back to uh, to a grappling heavy style, yeah, you know, yeah, and John. 
I think that would intrigue Adesanya. John, certainly, there's room for a third corner guy, and I like where your head's at, buddy. I like where you're at, Kenny. I think he, is he making a play for the third corner guy because there's an open spot right now. <laughs> He's left some if, things over the years. You got to do yeah. like a Paul Felder. You leave the booth and you come corner with me, and then you go back to calling the fights. You guys can do so much better I'd say, than this me. This is big. This is big, Kenny. I you love guys it. can do so much better than me, and uh, I know Ray's messing with me, obviously against yeah. someone like Brad Tavares. Perhaps no, but you, it is wise. Sound, but you, you sound great, though. You're you're right on the money with what you're saying. A hundred percent. You know Adesanya would love nothing more than for Chris Weidman, one of the all-time great decorated former middleweight champions, Izzy would love for him to build himself up so that he can have Mm -hmm. that fight and potentially have that challenge and have that scalp. So we'll see what happens. But I do believe you're right that uh, to a large degree, 85 is wide open. I quickly want to touch on this co-main event, Armin Sarukyan over Joachim Silva by TKO in round three. Another outstanding fight. I don't know if Cruzy was microdosing on mushrooms, but he was on fire all night. And one thing he said during this co-main event was that this type of fight in which Sarukyan was challenged, Kenny, right? There was sort of like a hesitation left hook by Joachim Silva in round yeah. two that really buckled Sarukyan. But that type of adversity and these type of fights build you for that championship run. And I thought it was another sage comment from Cruzy. Uh, what were your thoughts on Sarukyan? Getting a scare there, Kenny, but holding serve as a minus 1,000 favorite here in the co-main event. Yeah, Tom was was spot on with that. I think those are the kind of fights you want to have uh, as a guy who wants to be a champion in the sport. You want to experience that adversity. You want to experience that gut check during a fight. So when you inevitably do experience that um, in a championship setting, uh, you're not surprised that, by it. And I think you do gain a tremendous amount of fortitude and confidence coming off of a win like that when you have to dig deep. So I uh, couldn't agree more. I, I thought it was a fantastic fight. First of all, jo- Joaquin Silva is a massive lightweight. That dude is oh. huge. No idea how he makes that weight, but Sarukian is an animal. He is an absolute animal. His uh, ability to mix in strikes, set up takedowns, and get control on the ground like he does um he, he can look like a, a world-class kickboxer and look look like a world-class wrestler uh within a round and you just don't see that very often and if there's one guy who can challenge the wrestling the wrestling acumen of someone like islam mahashev it's a Yan. You, you need someone who has high level wrestling skills period if you don't have that i don't care what kind of striker you are um you're not going to be able to contend with someone like islam sarukian can do that and i thought he had an awesome performance against silva looked great uh got the finish i remember us talking about you know not only did he need to win but he needed to look impressive and get a finish he did exactly that and he had a lot to lose in that fight uh so the fact that he's able to perform like that against an excellent lightweight maybe not a top 10 ranked lightweight but an excellent lightweight a dangerous lightweight like that and perform like that i thought it was a great sign he is someone that I truly believe not only can fight for the belt in the near future, but potentially win win the belt. Hey, Kenny just speaks so eloquently. It's amazing. <laughs> no, really great. No, great job. Why, why do I have Thank to you. follow? Why do I have to follow him all the time? He takes <laughs> so then I got to come up with something odd that just doesn't, you know, so just to add something. No, 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 but, no. But no, no. Yeah, I agree. And I love those fights where a guy gets tested, he gets buckled, and not only come back, but, man, finish with a statement, Kenny. Like, he was not going to be denied that night. I'm going to tell you, my only problem is, I believe, 
is that you only have X number of those things. And Sarukian looks like a guy that they're just going to torture before he gets the shot. And, you know, and he's going to take any fight and he's going to be that guy. But I don't want it to work against him because I think he's a nice young kid who really yeah. has a chance. But you could see nobody wants to fight him. Uh, and, you know, he took a tough fight and he stood up with a guy that hits like a freight train. You know, he did a little of everything. But when he had to turn it on and get the fight to where he could be dominant, he couldn't have been more dominant. I thought it was a, a great victory for him. Uh, and I agree with, with everybody, Dominic, Kenny, those fights. Those are character builders, man. That you know that that experience, it only comes around every so often. If you're lucky to even get it and work your way through it to get to the next level, and he certainly did. So uh, hats off to Sarukian, and uh, I I just hope they treat him right. It seems like he's gonna be one of those guys that's gonna have to go through twenty p. It's gonna be like a Ferguson almost. He's gonna have to string eleven. By the time you get there, you you kind of burnt out already. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. You know, Ray is pot. Ray, it's possible, you know, Cody kind of reading my mind, he's putting up in the chat there, maybe Daryush when he returns. That was the first fight that I thought of is you face a guy who's high, you know, a higher ranking than you. These guys just fought around the same time. Timing wise, it could work out. Yeah. Um, you know, Daryush is a true test. He goes out there, beats someone like Daryush, and then maybe he gets the next title shot after that. So who knows, man? You know, that would be uh, nice. I, I, I think it's interesting, but. I, the amount of talent you have Gaethje and Poirier going at it too. You know, obviously that because of their high profile, uh, they could be in the conversation too. You know, but I think Saryukhan uh, isn't too far away. But you're right, Ray. I think it, it's going to come down to management and what the UFC yes. sees and what they yes. do with them. But um, I don't know. Armin, Armin's something else, man. Well, yeah, I think he's a potential. You know, he should be fighting for the belt shortly. I mean, very shortly. So yeah. some intel as far as Armand Sarukian and piggybacking on Ray echoing that this guy could end up right winning like 12 of 13 and not fighting for the belt, yeah. right? 55 is the best division in the UFC, right? Oh, With respect man. to yes. the weights and the featherweights and everybody else, the UFC lightweight division is where it is at, right? Armand Sarukian and Rafael Fazeev have the same manager, Danny Rubenstein. They train together a lot, so it seems like a lot of people want Fazeev and Sarukian to fight. And I think mm -hmm. on the surface, that fight makes a lot of sense. But those two train together, I don't think that fight would happen unless it was for the title. Sarukian versus Mataj Gamrot is a fight that we've already seen, and yet a fight that makes okay. sense. I think Daryush is at the top of my list. Sarukian would like to fight Michael Chandler. Chandler seemingly is waiting for Conor McGregor. We don't know the realism of that matchup. So I think there's a potential there. Even your guy, Matt Frabola, by the way, who had to fight Armand Sarukian on 24 hours. Yeah. I don't Wonder think that's going to be the next fight, but if I'm Matt Frabola, you know, I wouldn't mind taking that guy's steam at some point in time. If I actually get a training camp to fight him, but Sarukian has tried to get high profile lightweights. And if you take him at his word, a lot of these guys aren't signing on the dotted line. Daryush would. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Frivola would fight him in a heartbeat if he could get his mind off of fighting Patty Pimlet. <laughs> but uh, but it, Matt would definitely take that fight yeah. because, he, like you said, he fought him in 24 hours. And right. with a good camp, he's definitely got the power now. You could see that he could hurt him. And his wrestling jujitsu is, is really good. So that's a good, that's a, that's a good fight for a rematch. And for uh, Armand Sarukian... Did fight Islam Akashev, as many of you know. That was in St. Petersburg, fight of the night, Yo, all the way back in 2019. Great, great history fight. there. Yeah. So, uh, but congrats to Armand Sarukian. And I really thought that uh, 
that this performance and particularly the Kenny's point, the finish really serves to elevate him. I wanted to ask you guys quickly about one situation that happened before we go. I have often said on this podcast, I think the hardest job in mixed martial arts is fighter. The second hardest job is judge. Third hardest job is referee. Coaches and commentators don't get enough respect. Uh, But as far as the second fight of the night was concerned, Dan Argetta and Ronnie Lawrence, it's a no contest. Keith Peterson, the referee in question. And I qualify this by saying how hard it is to be a referee. But Kenny, I don't know if you saw this, but essentially Dan Argetta is working on a choke. Ronnie Lawrence at a time looked like he was getting a hand ready to tap, but he never taps out. And this is not a case of Keith Peterson trying to preserve an arm or a leg. It's a blood choke, right? So it doesn't seem as though if he gave it an extra beat, it would have been all that big a deal. But it ends up being a premature stoppage. Keith has obviously owned it, um, but disappointed for Dan Argetta in particular to not potentially realize his win bonus for Ronnie Lawrence. Obviously, there's a side of it as well. But I, I bring it up to you guys because I don't know what the course of action is, right? If you're the UFC, right, do you lose money in every single situation like this by paying both fighters their win bonus? Kenny, I don't know what you do. But I know when it comes to the jujitsu, at least compared to like a knockout or an arm choke or, or an arm or a leg, uh, I would think if it's a blood choke like that, maybe you learn the lesson and you try to give it a beat. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I actually I did not see it, um, but you, you you had a great explanation of, of what happened there. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more that if, if you are in a choke and you see a guy that's fighting, you know, through it. And he's not out. Let him fight through it. You, it, it it's not a, a limb sacrificing deal, you know, on the submission. So I think that, you know, for Keith Peterson, who, who I do believe is one of the best referees in the game, uh, he made a mistake there. Now, if he did admit it, um, I, I think what the UFC needs to do. Well, first of all, you could appeal uh, potentially. Uh, those aren't always fruitful. It's very difficult to win an appeal it with the commission. Many times it ends up becoming an, a waste of time. But. Perhaps with an admission by the referee, you, you have a stronger case. But more than anything else, I think wh- where the UFC can kind of maybe make this up um, is they can do a rematch, right? Um, and, and it is a tough thing for a business, for an organization. You know, do you just take care of everybody who was at the wrong end of the decision? I don't know. But uh, what they could do is maybe have these guys rematch. Um, another thing that, that could be rare in this sport, but I think it's absolutely warranted, absolutely justified here. So, um, unfortunate there because again, you know, whether it's a judge making an incorrect decision or a bad decision or a referee making a mistake out there, that L is absolutely permanent. That's something that stays on your record and it, it, it could really affect you moving forward uh, economically, you know, getting, getting certain fights. So yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough for those guys. Yeah, Kenny, uh, you really have to go back and look at it, though. It's a little more complicated than that. Really? Because, yeah, because Peterson, he's got a dangling arm. He's getting choked. It does look like he's getting ready to He tap, wasn't. He looked right? like he was out. Yeah, or... so one arm's not even in play, right? And he's he's got a mounted, what would that be, a mounted guillotine? Yeah. But, but, um, but so Peterson grabs his arm to see if he's still got life in it. And it, the picture like a rubber band. He grabs the arm. And the arm comes back and taps wow. the guy. Mm. That's the problem. So Peterson took it as a tap. And in hindsight, looking at the tapes, obviously, and Cruz was all over. I think he was right. You know, but that's what happened. He tried to do the right thing. Uh, 
and 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 it just didn't work out. It wasn't yeah. the right call, yeah. obviously. But yeah. the, I think the bigger thing is that that other kid was just dominating the fight to get a right. I, even to do a rematch, like you know, it might have been a thing where he got caught off gotcha. guard, okay. but he was all over it. Yeah, you got to go back and look at a little tricky. I think. Gotcha. I mean, there was no way of restarting that fight. I guess I don't know if there's a right way, but uh, it kind of it kind of sucked. You know what I mean? Because I think mm. you know, obviously Peterson's there to protect everybody. But like, great points. It's a choke. I think he could have let it go just to see a little yeah, bit, maybe, right? Because he was on the other side. Also, he could have right. been looking at the guy's face, maybe. But uh, yeah, that sucked because the other kid really had a great fight, man. Holy shit! He was well, right, and that that is the rub for me, right? Like you heard Roger yeah. Crawl here on the Anakin Florin podcast last week. He was yeah. in Ronnie Lawrence's corner. But if I'm Dan Argetta, it's like no. Oh. That's I'm not fucking problem. rematching you in Jacksonville this weekend. Like, right. right. And I also think it's tricky in terms of like game plan, right? Yeah. When you, well, Ronnie well, Lawrence the, has that, divulged yeah. exactly what his game uh, plan was. And yes. It's yes. just a little bit of a tricky thing, right? Yeah. So, so he, so he was dominating that fight and yes. gotten to the submission. Yeah. He picked up the, okay, that's a little different. All right. But yeah, yeah, that's different. it was a young fight, right? The fight had just yes. started and it's not out of the realm of possibility that Ronnie Lawrence right. actually gets out. But like if, if I'm Dan Argetta, Right. Yeah. He's I'm like, can problem. I please get my win bonus? Yeah, right. Like it's just... that's that that's the problem, right? There. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you. But Kenny, go back and watch the fight. Definitely a fair okay. goal, but but tricky. And uh I don't know if the result would have been any different if it went another ten seconds. I mean he would have he would have had to toughed it out. The guy, you know, right. maybe the guy's arms would have had to get tied. That's the way it looked to me. I didn't study it, but uh it wasn't like there was a defense going on there. Right. And to be fair, like uh, as a referee, the, the one tell you're looking for is that dead floppy arm. Right. So you pick up yeah, the yeah, arm yeah. and I don't yeah, know yeah. what happened again. I'm, yeah, but yeah, if yeah. the arm flops back down, yes, it's not yeah, doing yeah. anything. Then I don't know what else you could do as a referee. I mean, right. it's like you don't want the dude to be losing consciousness right. for that long. Yeah. You don't want that cut off of blood of the brain for that long. So. Ah, that's tough. Yeah, was, I, was, I'm thinking about the, the Robbie Lawler Askren fight. Yeah, yeah, it's the same, same. similar yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the you know, there's chaos. There's a lot going on, and then that's the way. That, and that's what happened in the Lawler fight too. He was getting like killed, and you know, there was a comeback or whatever was happening. But but uh, Herb Dean stepped in. He apologized right away. He thought he was doing the right thing. He wanted to protect yeah. the guy. You know, Peterson, you got to look at the way that he pulled the arm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it went back to dangling. It just reverbed to the guy's mm. body, right. which maybe in the heat of the moment looked like a tap. When you go back right. and look at right. it, right. it doesn't really, you know, you could stop. Cruz, like like, uh, like John said, Cruz was definitely microdosing because he was, <laughs> he saw, he was, Cruz was in the Matrix that night. He saw everything. And the other good he call, was unbelievable. The other good call was when the guy, you know, body slammed the other guy. They call it a headbutt. Oh. He gets knocked out when his head hits the uh, the canvas. I, I that part, that one, I think is worse. Yeah, to be honest, it was a wild that night. They looked at, that they actually looked at, right, and came up with the wrong decision. This sport yeah. is bananas, man. It is. I, I, Poor Jared Bellell, right? He's so credential when it comes to his MMA mind, and yet these referees find themselves in these situations. And I will say in one breath, it's absolutely hilarious that Dominic Cruz was the guy on the call for a situation oh, like this. Oh, because no, no, anyone could, who listens to this a, podcast couldn't, couldn't have been a worse call, guy right, call the fight. and knows the history between Dominic Cruz and Keith Peterson. It's uh, absolutely hilarious that he was wait. the guy. But I would also say, go ahead, Rick. 
Yeah, yeah. Let me. I, I hate to interrupt. But I, but I want to def, not defend Cruz. He doesn't need defending. But he did compliment Peterson later on in the night. So he I did. It's a very mature evolution for Cruz. I think he is trying. He's very conscious, and he did yeah. compliment them at the end of the fight. No, Ken, I'm not even joking around. Cruz was on point, man. He, yeah. He, I'm going to say that guy was dead on. But here's what I think people have to know: is like if Dominic Cruz was refereeing. Eventually, he's going to make a mistake. I just think it's I just think it's that type of field. So, you still got good guys and bad guys. That's fair. That one was that one was a problem, but I don't see it as a, a problem moving forward. And not at all. I really yeah. don't. I think I he'll totally make the agree. adjustment to that. He'll make the adjustment. But to, to everybody's point, Cruz Cruz was dead on the whole night. When he had to be hard, he was hard. When he had a compliment, yeah, and make, yeah. he, he did he did great. So yeah. hats off to Dominic Cruz. I think as a commentator i really enjoyed everything that night that he had yeah. to say and full disclosure dominic cruz is one of my best friends but keith peterson yeah. is also <clears throat> a friend and i feel bad for keith yeah. Kenny, right because he's an outstanding referee he's an outstanding father and yet you have a few too many of these situations or a high profile situation like this one where everybody is sort of piling on and it can become a very difficult 72 hours certainly kenny and yeah. i and ray but Kenny and I can relate to this as UFC commentators. We're on a headset for eight hours. We're judged on every utterance. Even yeah, in the last few weeks on the Anticonform podcast, I greatly upset a very high-profile gym owner that I respect to a great extent. Now, I stand by what I said, but sometimes it's hard when you say something or do something that upsets a certain amount of people and you just kind of walk back into your life and you just kind of got to deal with it. So Keith Peterson has our respect, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I do think there was a lesson for him to be learned in this situation, and I think that he'll take that knowledge well, I, I, into I his next event. Hundred percent believe that. hundred percent believe, and he owned it. That's why he's yeah. going to make the adjustment. It's when you don't own it that you don't right. make exactly. the adjustment. Right. You know what I mean? And that, that's why it's important to talk to these guys because it helps everybody. Yeah. But you have to let us know what you're thinking. Right. You have to own it. If if not, it's almost like you know, it's like a, an alcoholic. I don't have a problem. Well, you're never right. going to get help then. Well, right. You exactly. know what I mean? It's, it's only when you say you have a problem that you get help. So the fact that even Herb, at that time when he apologized to him, he felt awful. You could see it was was a sincere apology to Robbie Lawler. And Robbie Lawler being the great guy that yeah. he is. Except that that's the way we have to move on. Yes. Exactly like that. That's For me, that's the way I right. like to see. Well, and I think a lot of these referees and judges, right? Like Keith Peterson would like nothing more than to suck down a Marlboro Red heater and grab a microphone and explain to everyone his mistakes. But he's not afforded that opportunity. These guys are essentially muzzled. You don't think Keith Peterson would love to grab a microphone? You know, there have been myriad times where I've invited referees on the podcast and they've respectfully declined. These guys are you know, censored. They are muted. Not all of them would be reluctant to publicly explain their decision in a media scrum after the fight. But, you know, I, I'll tell you, though, John, but just think of what you said. That is the problem. They can't even get on and explain themselves. Like, yeah. Doesn't that tell you that something's hiding? Like, it's not a good thing? It, ha it It's the only answer. Why wouldn't you let a guy speak? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we see this every day. You can't get an answer on certain things. Like, nobody wants to debate anybody. You know, it, it's just hearsay. Nobody does their due diligence. And yeah. we would love to hear from Peterson. And the fact that somebody's muzzling him yeah. tells you that there's a problem. 
Well, we've had referees and judges selectively on our show. Mark Goddard came on back yeah. in the day, right? And Mark Goddard is his own man, and I think sometimes will uh, do what he wants to do. I think Mark Goddard actually had a podcast called Listen Up for a Time with Dan Hardy, right? So, uh, But we can get more into that, and I will reach out to Keith and Kevin McDonald and some of the guys I know to see about their appetite for coming on here. I mean, Jason Herzog is probably the guy I'm closest with, and we've talked about having him add to our content here Um but I don't know that he is allowed to come on and explain his decisions right. in these critical fights. He's very much, yeah. I would think, uh, encouraged, discouraged from doing that. Hey, Ray, we got to let you go, my man. Yeah. Last okay, thing. Got... Yes. Josh Emmett, Ilya Topuria, getting the spotlight this Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. Topuria's undefeated. He's a pretty big favorite. Who do you like in the main event this weekend? I got to go with Topuria on okay. that one. Um uh, although Josh Emmett's anything could happen, obviously, and Josh Emmett's super talented, but uh, Tapori just looks like he's on the rise and he's not going to be denied either. But uh, that that's not an easy fight, though, for sure. But I know Marab's trained with Tapori, tells me the guy's fantastic. So I'm basically going off of that. And right. I love what I see. And he had a fight where he got rocked and came back. And so yeah. he's got good experiences. Uh, you know, I think there's there's a couple of guys like Tim Zarukian that are willing to get to that next level. And uh, I'm glad he's being afforded the opportunity. That's a big fight with Emmett. And uh, I got to, uh, as much as I like Josh Emmett, I got to go with the Poirier on that. On Twitter, you can find him at Ray Longo MMA. Always bringing it for us, man. Appreciate you. Oh, man. And on Instagram, just keep looking for me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I what's, would. What, what's, I, what's my Instagram, Instagram handle? It's so nine. frustrating. Nine four three five eight Ray Longo. Nine four three five eight. What the heck is <laughs> so? Ray Longo's Instagram got hacked, right. and so he had to get yeah. a new account. It's if you want to follow him on Instagram, oh, where he has zero posts to date, <laughs> despite his thirteen hundred and seventy-eight so followers. I'm at Ray Longo MMA ninety-three fifty-eight. What the fuck oh. is that? I have no idea. I'm with you. I have no defense. Uh, no, what's ninety three fifty eight? No fucking idea. That that <laughs> was made, I swear to God, that was made up. I, I don't even want to. Uh, that that wasn't me though. I didn't. I didn't do that. So that when Cody sends you ago. a clip that yeah. from Anik Florian Pod and oh, he invites you to be a collaborator, right? All yeah. you would have to do is hit accept, and that would populate your feed. Do you see any of those collaboration requests or no? Um, don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 I know, I'm not even joking. I don't even. I, 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 first off, I'll tell you, my other question is you guys are talking about Cody's putting something in the chat. I don't see no chats on my screen. Are you, you guys actually seeing stuff? So sometimes he will populate like the rankings and some comments in the private chat. But like he just wrote to me, like, give congrats to Ray on Aljo's induction into the CFS oh, yeah, Hall of Fame. Wait. And I yeah. was not going to do that. I took that producer note and I said, you know what? That's pretty cool, but I'm not going to fucking do it. But. You know, like he tries to add to the show when he can. He doesn't get offended if I don't use things. But like that's an example of something that he threw in the chat that would have ended up on the on the cutting room floor had you not brought up the chat. All right, but uh, hats off to Aljo, man. We did have a great weekend. Uh, he was there cornering with me, and uh, always a super cool guy. We we uh, it was nice to see him get some credit outside the UFC and uh, yeah. they did a great job with that. So hats yeah. off to everybody and hats off to Aljo. He had a, he had a blast this weekend. All right, brother. Well, uh, I hope you had a good father's day. Great. How was father's your father's day. Day? Was it good? Yeah. Great. great. Yeah. Right. I went to see, uh, went out to eat, took the kids to the movies 
And when I say kids, they're like 45 at this point. But uh, right. we still, right. we still <laughs> the fact the fact that they want to still hang out with me, Kenny, is I guess is a blessing. That's you know? a good thing. You did something That's right. A, Absolutely, I did something man. right for sure. So yeah, we went to see <laughs> we went to see the uh, De Niro movie with uh, Malascuso, Sebastian. Pretty pretty good. good All nice. right, nice fun and family movie. You are not a grandfather yet. Is that accurate? Nah, it's. I wouldn't tell you if I was. How's that? Ah, I bet. I bet. I just want to keep hanging with you guys and acting like I'm. <laughs> 42 or 43 or exactly. 45 or whatever. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. what it's all about. Just Hey, how about Yoel Romero competing at 46 years of age, huh? Dang, oh, man. Bro. Winning still fights. A, still, he didn't win this still, weekend, but still winning still, fights. You know? Still a piece of granite. Oh, no doubt about it. Still a piece of yeah. granite, that guy. All right, go uh, go untangle you, your headphones. We'll yeah. talk to you next week, okay? Take it easy, guys. Great. See ya. Great. Yeah, thanks. Great. Every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast, the Ray Longo Minute. All right. We are going to spin things forward here. Still a few things to get to on that Vegas event, but we are going to call on our handicapper, Brian Petrie, on social media. You can find him at Brian Petrie MMA, also the host of the MMA Takes Podcast. And Brian Petrie is now doing our pronunciation of the week in addition to our main event challenge. It was essentially something that was suggested by a longtime Anakin Florian podcast listener. What's up, handsome? Hey, boys. What's going on? So a Cincinnati Reds World Series Champions t-shirt. That must be old. When did they last win the World Series? 1990. I am the big hardcore Bengals fan. I am a fair weather Reds fan. They're doing good right now. So your boy had to bust out the shirt. Uh, we got some young kids and and we eight, eight, nine in a row. I don't know how much it is, but we're an exciting team. So gonna take the girls to a game here soon because nice, the stadium man. is the stadium's awesome. A great American ballpark. Yeah, it's a nice stadium. It's really dope. All right. So I have a lot of things to get to with you. Uh, your wife accepted my request to follow her on Instagram. So yeah, now she's very, excited. she's very excited. My world has been opened up to your daughter, Winnie Petrie. And yeah. if there's, I don't know if I want to invest in this child's future necessarily, but uh, <laughs> I would buy stock in Winnie Petrie. I mean, what a winning name, Winnie <laughs> yeah. Petrie. She's like cuter than you. I yeah. mean, this girl's got it all. Yeah. She's pretty incredible. Yeah. I came up. We have, so I have two daughters I have Winnie, which I named. Uh, people think it's from the Wonder Years or Winnie the Pooh. It's actually, I grew up, my father was a movie head, and Wall Street, Gordon Gecko's daughter was Winnie. And I was like, that's the greatest name I've ever heard. Yeah, dude. So when I got married to my wife and we were having kids, I said, listen, I'm going to go ahead and lay this down. We got a girl <laughs> named Winnie. And my wife's like, yeah, I like done. And then my wife, now I have another daughter named Hazel. But yeah, it was Winnie's birthday. We're at the beach. Winnie's birthday. She is the funniest cutest little thing i've ever seen going in the first grade she's taller than everyone in her kindergarten class i mean she's going to be six foot two uh i'm encouraging <laughs> volleyball right now or mma yep. whatever she wants to do um but yeah she is uh she's awesome that's pretty cool well i hope you had a good father's day it's great to have you back with us uh one thing that i did want to get to with you yeah. and certainly would take your thoughts on cannoneer and vittori on the back end oh. but you did have a four-unit trigger on Christian Leroy Duncan, so that was a a minus, I think, six hundred and sixty dollar yeah. wager for you in our main event challenge. That was yeah. one fight that we did not get to earlier with Ken Flo. Yeah. I thought he had his moments, but at times yeah. against Armin Petrosian, seemed like maybe he was treating it more like a sparring session. There yeah. wasn't necessarily the urgency there. I know how high Sean Sheehan is on CLD. Mm -hmm. I remain optimistic, but certainly a setback for him here. Your thoughts on that fight between Petrosian and CLD? 
Yeah, so I got a lot of messages like, dude, you sold me a dud. Like, well, he's a uh-huh. fraud. I'm not going to throw the F word out yet. He's 6-0, and 8-0, and excuse me. But I love cocky fighters. I love when guys go in there like Max Holloway, like, let's go, right? This dude's turning his back. He's right. throwing, He's getting flashy, but there's no substance to it. Like, you're not doing anything, my guy. Like, this is, these are all great stuff. But Petrosian saw him coming a mile away. His kicks are very good. Hands need a bit of work. You know, he just throwing these wild kicks. But, you know, he's getting kind of cocky and flashy, and Petrosian just staying in his lane. And, you know, 30-27, well, the third round was very close. But, yeah, and then the takedowns weren't there. They were they were kind of sloppy. He didn't really shoot much. It was kind of more of like a body lock, and Petrosian looked like the bigger guy in there. Uh, yeah, I, I threw a dot out there. I mean, listen, I, I won. I would have had – if he would have won, I had a great night. I'm up $2. Two whole dollars uh, because I put a lot in CLD there um, and that, that's on me. Uh, but yeah, you know, it just, it just wasn't there for me. You know, I was yeah. a swing and a miss for sure. Well, and I like the aggression, right? Because uh, I'm I'm going to be paying the price with you when it comes to this punishment, the main event challenge. And you had yeah. a three and one weekend. Ken Flo goes one and three and yet you lose the week. Right? I know. I, I had a good week other than that. Did have a good week going three and one. I wanted no. to quickly get your thoughts on the main event, if I could. Sure. And I don't know if Marvin Vittori's conditioning mm-hmm. is what deserves the credit for for his ability to just absorb punishment. And like, no. what is it going to take for a man to put Marvin Vittori away? I mean, it makes me think like Bear. Oh, oh fuck! Oh. <laughs> 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 we just locked we just locked Cody, you got to keep all this. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> you got to keep all of this. We've gone viral two weeks in a row. <laughs> Cody, can you hear me? Yeah. Holy you guys got to keep all of this. Can you guys hear me? Dude. Yeah, yeah. We got <laughs> That's Canada. <laughs> All right, you got me now? Oh, I got you. Oh, wow. my goodness. Oh, you got to all of this, okay? Sorry, right. Mom. <laughs> so, I think my story, the my break? story inspired John. Yeah. So Sorry, I, Marco. So, I, we're going to have to let the suit out a little bit. I heard I'm it. I'm in shape. I'm in shape. <laughs> it's not that I'm out of shape, Cody. Um, Sorry, mom. So I'm doing the podcast from my mom's house. Holy shit. Mom, can you bring me a towel? Please? <laughs> so, wow. What is going so, on? This is great. This is Cody's going to have a field Two day. Two weeks in a row, dude. So I'm doing the podcast from my mom's house. If you're audio only, I just lean back in my chair. <laughs> the whole chair snapped. I need some new fucking chairs, mom, if I'm being honest, but I love you. Um, thank you. So my chair oh, is snapped in half. DraftKings <laughs> Network paying for all this. So my chair just snapped in half as we were talking about something. Holy shit. Meatloaf. We're talking about the main event. I think you have a strong lawsuit against your mom, dude. I'll be honest. Yeah. I think we yeah. I think we can I think we can win one. Her shirts are I'm just, out. Oh, I'm just curious how much of my audio <laughs> You still got when I was like, uh, <laughs> we're good though. We're good. So we were talking about. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. Right. 
<laughs> I was like, I went back, and then it seemed as though maybe I would be able to. And I, I heard, was like, no, the chair, I heard the chair break. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, that chair broke. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I kind of wish I was like 170 pounds today, you know, but I'm not like inherently out of shape right now. Uh, but yeah, no, I, so I guess I just, I, I've always marveled at the conditioning of these two athletes in particular, Kenny and Brian, right? Yeah. I feel like they're two of the hardest workers at 185 pounds or otherwise, like in the entire UFC, I think Canada and Vittoria are two of the hardest workers. You never have to worry about that. And Brian, I would just ask yeah. you about Marvin's ability to just take damage and not be put away. I don't know what you chalk it up to. I know you did pick Jared Cannonier to win the yeah. fight, but what were your thoughts on a pretty outstanding main event? So we're two for two for viral moments. That's going to be bigger than last week when you snapped, you know, about the technical. But I, right. I saw that on media outlets. I didn't even know, which is great. Anyway, back to the main <laughs> event. Um, yet, like, there's a lot of, like, I've really actually dug dug into this of why people have good chins. You know, George Savella won the greatest boxer of all time with the best chins. He has a YouTube video. He's like, oh, it's a short neck. It's a wide jaw. It's a big head. Justin Gagey thinks it's, like, mental, right? Like, Tony Ferguson doesn't have any of those things, but you couldn't put him out with anything, right? So it's interesting to me. I've really dove into the psychological with this. And Marvin Torrey does have a big head. But I think it's his will and his mind. Like he's not going down because the cardio obviously plays a factor as well. But in the second round, which was close to a 10 8, he was gassed, it looked like. I mean, yes. he was not on his second win and he was taking big shots, very close to being stopped. His face was getting marked up. He obviously was firing back as the heart of a lion. But yeah, I don't know what you're going to do. I heard someone on the broadcast say, Oh, you got to kick him in the head. Paulo Costa did that clean kick to the head. Nothing, right? right? right. You're going to have to take a back to him. It's it's insane. And the reason I picked Cannoneer is because I was monitoring his socials and he looked a little leaner. And I think he was like, Kenny pointed out, he's not the most active guy. He's, he's slot, uh, slot selection typically. not. He's not throwing a lot of strikes. But for this fight, Marvin Vittori's defense is not great. And I thought Cannoneer put in a training camp to keep this pace and he sure did. Broke records. Fifth round, he was still going for it. Um, Crazy stuff. I had I have a Janicare near by decision 300 ticket, and I was nice. sweating the whole fight because yeah. even though Marvin Torrey's tough, I'm like, oh, right, he's toast, he's done. But just a heart of a warrior, and I contribute to really just physically the way he's built because he's huge too. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe how he dwarfed Cannoneer, right? And then, uh, and then and just the mindset as well, obviously being in phenomenal cardio shape as well, hard work in the room, but. yeah. Crazy. Dude, and how about how about Cannoneer winning the wrestling battle? If I told you before the fight yeah. that Cannoneer would out wrestle Marvin Vittori, Marvin Vittori yeah. never hit yeah. one takedown in that fight. Cannoneer no, right? hit one like two or three or something. So, anyways, nice. Yeah, oh, good point. And I will say to your point, Petrie, like the visual of Marvin Vittori after round one. I know he doesn't take the stool, but putting mm -hmm. both hands over the octagon, yeah. like he was toast after those first five minutes, yeah. and he found that second gear and second gear, found that yeah. wind and. uh yeah, I might have even had a 10-8 for Cannoneer in that uh, second round. All right. Cool. Yeah. Here's how we stand right now. Petrie is minus 27.80. Kenny Florian, minus 20 bucks on the year. Ken Flo, 1-3, minus 275. Petrie, 3-1, but it was a minus 360 on the week. We got eight fights to pick for Jacksonville men. Mm -hmm. I feel like all eight fights are worthy of predictions. All of these odds... All of these betting lines right now are live on DraftKings Sportsbook. We begin with a prelim in the strawweight division. 15th ranked Tabitha Ricci, Baby Shark minus 125. Jillian Robertson is plus 105. Bri Robertson, most decorated submission artist in UFC women's history. Now her second straight at strawweight after an extended and productive run at flyweight. Your thoughts on Ricci and Robertson here in an ESPN prelim. 
I like to move the straw weight and I got a shout out Tatum temple, a uh, fan of myself. She takes, she tracks all my bets on the bet MMA tips, you know, so you, you know, Haney cappers, that's what they do. Like, Hey, I, you know, you got to track your bets. So she yeah, does yeah, all yeah. that for me. She's great. She's a sharp as well. Really sharp in the female. She just uh, messaged me on IG and said, put everything on Jillian Robertson. Unfortunately though, I like Tabitha Ricci. I like Baby Shark here. Jillian Robertson is is very good on the ground, and Tabitha Ricci, uh, besides the Fior fight, really likes to take the fight to the ground. But she's got tight arms. She keeps her jujitsu tight. Short little arms. Jillian Robertson's best. I mean, she's got great jujitsu, but her best ability off her back and even on top is arm bars. Don't know if she's hitting an arm bar. Could be a choke. But Baby Shark, I think, is slowly really starting to find her groove in the UFC. Hasn't fought the high level women's besides Men and but um. I like I like Baby Shark here at this baby number uh, minus one twenty five. I think this line's going to maybe move a lot this week. We're doing this obviously early in the week. Uh, am I going to run to the window? No, but uh, yeah, give me time for the Ricci. I think I think she wins the decision. Ricci a slight favorite right now. Jillian Robertson continues to look for new training environments. I saw her at Roger Crawl's MMA Science Academy a few weeks ago. A lot of people like her in this division, Ken Flo, but a tough matchup here uh, against Baby Shark. Tabitha Ricci, which way are you going? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a tricky one. <clears throat> Richie can grapple, man. Uh, I, you know, um, and, and I think she's a decent striker as well. Um, but I'm leaning, I'm leaning Robertson here. I, I do like Jillian. I, I've seen her train, um, you know, very dedicated to the game. I think she has one of the best ground games in the UFC period. Uh, and, you know, I think she's going to be riding high on confidence, you know, has some momentum here. And, um, I like I like her in this fight. I think it's going to come down to grappling eventually, and and I think she's going to surprise Richie on the ground with how good she is. Richie again, black belt Brazilian jitsu from a good team. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but uh, I like Jillian. Nice. And Dean Thomas will be chiefing the corner of one Jillian Robertson. And one thing Dean said to me recently, you know, he trains fighters to finish, and he was sort of responding to a conversation that I had opened up with him about offensive jujitsu and i said every week i'm banging this drum with kenny talking about mm -hmm. offensive jujitsu and he's like if you mm -hmm. notice my fighters they train they we train to finish and jillian mm -hmm. robertson is certainly uh a great example of that all right at welterweight randy brown minus 245 wellington Terman plus 205 so rude boy had won four in a row ran into the jack della madalena train in perth earlier this year at ufc 284 now faces the divisional newcomer wellington Terman. He fought the first 14 fights of his pro career as a 170-pound fighter, but the entire seven-fight run for Wellington Terman in the UFC has been at middleweight, perhaps training alongside Alex Pedeta there in Danbury, Connecticut, gave him pause about uh, an extended <laughs> run at 85. Uh, BP, we'll start with you. Randy Brown, yeah. minus 245, Wellington Terman, plus 205. Root boy. I think root boy is going to be a lot of mortal lock this week. I think a lot of cappers going to run to the window and go lock this guy up. I think it's a little high problem with this fight. I'm picking root boy. Uh, Wellington cutting 170, but Wellington is very aggressive with his takedowns. He does have good jujitsu. And when Randy Brown gets taken down and put on his back, we were just talking about Dean Thomas's offensive jitsu. There's not much. It's a closed guard game. He doesn't really, he tries to work up sometimes, but he's not trying, he's a big 70. So he's not trying to waste his energy. There's really nothing there. So I can see Wellington German really dragging this fight out. If he has cardio cutting that weight problem is I do think Wellington German had a little bit of a chin problem at 185. Cutting down the 170, you think, oh, I'm going to be the big dog in the block. Not with Randy Brown. I think Randy Brown has good footwork, good movement, long-range strikes. I think if he can avoid the takedowns, he can finish Wellington Terman. Don't know if a finish is going to happen. Minus 245. Little steep for your boy. Uh, could be a parlay piece if you really love Randy Brown, but uh, I I'm going to shy away. But my pick is Rude Boy. 
Kenflow Randy Brown tried to change his professional life by accepting that Jack Della Maddalena fight in the belly of the beast on the road. It did not go his way. Now he'll try to get untracked against Wellington Terman. Which way are you going here? Yeah, and I think that's going to be part of the reason that we see a much better Randy Brown this time around. Um, you know, I, I think he has so much potential. We've talked about this before. Uh, great length for the division. Excellent jab when it's firing. Uh, I think he needs to get that volume going in this fight. Um, but he definitely needs to be able to stop the takedowns here against Wellington. I, I think uh, Wellington is a, a problem on the ground and a very interesting style matchup for Randy here. Um, but I, I like Randy in this matchup. Um, I think the odds are a little bit high. Um, I do see some value in Wellington tournament, but I'm sticking with a rude boy. Nice. All right, third final preliminary fight that we will pick today. Again, don't forget, first fight like 11.30 a.m., this weekend on ESPN main card, 3 p.m. Eastern time, live on ABC. Also at welterweight, the division's all-time wins leader, Neil Magny, minus 150 here against Phil Rowe, who is plus 130. Rowe's won 10 of 11, Bryce, since starting his MMA career at 0-2. Three straight knockouts, TKOs have set up the biggest fight of Phil Rowe's career. This matchup with Neil Magny, pretty close on paper. Bry, which way are you going? Mm-hmm. What Neil Magny is going to show up? I mean, this is a guy who's fought 50 times. What does that mean? The guy's been around forever. Is it the Daniel Rodriguez and Neil Magny where he looked like he looked great and was like, hey, I'm going to take this dude down. I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to submit him. Or is it the Neil Magny who looks flat? You know, Phil Rowe is a guy who's been he's been in the UFC for a little bit. And he's not the most active guy. He's also doesn't have the most wins or excuse me, the best wins. I mean, you can go out there and sleep Jason Witt. Cool, but now you got right, a right. now you got Neil Magny here. Um, I actually like the number on Neil Magny. I thought it'd be a little bit higher. Phil Rowe, you know, coming off a good knockout win, you know, he's, he was kind of losing that fight. He's getting out struck, but you know, found the chin. Neil Magny is durable. You're not going to find Neil Magny's chin, but again, it's all about Neil. What Neil shows up? I see takedowns. Phil Rowe has been doing a lot of grappling outside the UFC. You know, he's, he's comfortable as back. He's tricky. He's long. Him and Neil are built very the same, but uh, the same. But Neil uses that reach so well. And uh, and I think the X factor is the grappling. Give me Neil Magny for another dub. Tamflo Neil Magny's made a career of winning fights like this. He is twenty and nine in the UFC. Your thoughts on him as a slight favorite here against the adopted Floridian Phil Rowe? Yeah, this is a very tricky one because of that. They they are very similar in height and build. Um, I think that uh, Phil definitely has some good momentum heading into this fight. Neil Magny is definitely going to have a superior jab. I'm curious to see who wins the takedown game. I think, I don't know if the fight necessarily won or lost there, but I do think it's going to play a major factor. And and I agree with Brian. That was one thing that I kept going back to. I know Phil's really crushing the grappling training and and training with some high-level guys. But um, I see value there for Phil. Um, And Neil has a ton of experience, but it's hard to go with someone who has been inconsistent. And I don't know. I think Phil has some consistency now. Um, I think he's going to have confidence here. And this is a fight. If he wants to start to get more high-profile fights, he needs to win like this over yeah. like Neil Magny. No easy task, but I think there's value enough for, for me to, to go Phil Rowe's way here. Nice. Phil Rowe plus 130 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, and he has put in the training camp of his life. We'll see if it produces the desired result this weekend on ESPN. All right, before we get to the main card, I would like to circle back to the pronunciation of the week. <laughs> Let's go. Ryan Let's Petrie go. is now going to handle this exercise moving forward. You knew we had to start with a Brazilian. Of course. Because 
We yeah. thought maybe you'd add some melody to it. But this is a flyweight who competes against Tatsuro Tyra this weekend. He fights out of Amapa, Brazil. Initials KR. That is also his nickname. Yeah. KR, Brian Petrie, of whom am I speaking? So I didn't listen to the file. I did practice. I don't practice anything, right? I take a couple notes, don't practice. I did practice in the mirror. Right. So I'm going to go, Kletzen Hadigas. Yes. I fucking nail it or what? I mean, can we, we hear the file? Close. Yeah, we'll hear it. <laughs> Cleidson Rodrigues. Cleidson Rodrigues, KR. Cleidson Rodrigues, KR. Okay, so there's Whoa. a lot to unpack. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you nailed it. Ken Flo is our no. expert here, <laughs> right? But it sounded like there were two different people saying Clayjison Rodriguez. So that's what we yeah. go with on broadcast, Clayjison Rodriguez. But the Clayjison. nickname, he says Ka-Ehe, or Ka-Ehe, right? Which is K-R. Yeah. yeah. So we don't go Ka-Ehe on the broadcast. Like, we go K-R, Clayjison right. Right. Rodriguez. Uh, I don't know if your your first name was good enough. Probably to give no, you the point. No, of course not. It no. was close, though. It was close. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a good effort, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. Then I just have one more file that we are just no. going to play. And this is just for fun because I know okay. Ken Flo has a healthy appreciation for this. So Kenny has called a PFL fight involving Loic Rajabov, right? But this weekend, Loic Rajabov in Jacksonville is fighting a very talented UFC lightweight by the name of Mataj Rambecki or Rambetsky, right? It's spelled R-E-B-E-C-K-I. So it looks like Rebecki on paper. The Polish names historically are the most challenging for us on the UFC telecast. So Mataj, we know because of Mataj Gamrot, who's also Polish. But let's hear how Mataj Rambecki or whatever the fuck it is, uh, says his name. And then I want to hear how Kenny thinks I should say this on broadcast. I'm Mataj Rambecki. I'm Mateusz Raumbecki. Raumbecki. Right. So, but Raum there is an, an N in there, right? So yeah. the name begins R E B, and yeah. we're saying Raumbecki or whatever, right? So it's yeah. just, look, just, I thought that'd be pretty cool That's for fans tough. to, right? The, the word starts yeah. R E B, and my phonetic begins R O U N. Like, Raum it's Betsky. insane. You know, Yoni yeah. Jacek told us way back in the day, like your mouths cannot make the sounds necessary to pronounce <laughs> Polish names correctly. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Let us get to the main card, boys. Thanks for indulging me on the pronunciation of the week. We'll begin with a huge fight at middleweight live on ABC. 13th ranked contender, Brendan Allen, minus 165. Bruno Silva is plus 140. Brendan Allen is one of the best middleweights in the world, in my opinion, Kenny. He's won four in a row, five of six. Always willing to prove his status as one of the best welt, uh, middleweights in the world. As such, accepting a fight here against the uber-dangerous Bruno Silva. Silva coming off a TKO win over Brad Tavares not all that long ago on April 22nd. We'll start with Ken Flo here. Brendan Allen, the favorite, or Bruno Silva, the dog? Yeah, you know, so Brendan Allen, I think, uh, has some great momentum heading into this fight. As you mentioned, I think he has an extremely well-rounded game, perhaps a more well-rounded game than Bruno Silva. Um, I don't know if he hits as hard as Bruno Silva, but I think he's got more weapons. He just needs to go out there and use them all in this fight, including his grappling. And I think if he does that, um, he'll be able to outpoint Bruno Silva. But Bruno Silva is extremely durable. Okay, we saw him go 15 full minutes against Pereira. Um, I think he's an excellent kickboxer. He's got big time knockout power. 
So Brendan Allen really has to be very defensively responsible in this one for sure. Uh, can't give him any free shots. Um, but I think where Brendan Allen can maybe uh, do well here in this fight is kind of grounding him out, getting him tired, getting you know using a grappling heavy game in this one. Um, but Bruno is extremely dangerous. He's always dangerous. So um, got to watch for this one. I'm actually going to sit out this one. No pain for this one. I am. Uh, I, I'm going to be. Uh, I'll be over here. I like that. No, I like that. And it's an important reminder for the audience. These guys can abstain from one selection. They can also pick an additional prelim fight that's not on the board. Brian Petrie, Brendan Allen, minus 165. Bruno Silva, plus 140. Will you have a selection? I I love what Ken Flo did there because this fight is just trouble. This could be trouble for my bank account. This could be trouble for a lot of things because I like Bruno Silva. But Brendan Allen is so hot right now, and he's really finding his groove. He's so young as well. Problem is Brendan Allen's been hit before, and he's been put out before. Bruno Silva can knock anybody out. But you look at the Jared Merskard fight, and Brendan Allen's a more athletic, more aggressive Jared Merskard, in my opinion. And Jared Merskard bodied Bruno Silva. But I really think that... That loss from Bruno Silva, back-to-back losses, I think that changed him a little bit. He looked he looked rejuvenated in the Brad Tavares fight. He's a veteran as well. And Bruno Silva's career Achilles heel has been submissions. Brandon Allen coming off Andre Munez's submission is riding high in confidence. Like, dude, if I get someone on the ground, I'm taking something, right? I love right. the confidence by this young man. But Bruno Silva's got that one touch. And I think if Brandon Allen... And he's got 71% takedown defense as well. So Brandon Allen, who I don't think has the best takedowns, is big for the weight class. Could take Bruno Silva down. Um, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. And if you get touched by Bruno Silva, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's got good time. He's got big power. And you're hanging plus 140, 150 on me. You know I'm going to take the dog shot. So give me the dog shot, Bruno Silva. I hate picking against it because I know come Saturday when I'm sitting there in front of the TV ready to place bets, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to convince myself. And I'm going to be like, what am I fucking doing? Because Brandon Allen's a very good fighter. And he he could easily win this fight. This is a really good fight. All right, big fight at 85. We'll see how it plays out. Next up at featherweight, Gabriel Santos, minus 230. David Onama, plus 195. Onama's been out a while. Hasn't fought since the loss to Nate Land, where last August he has had a couple of fight cancellations thus far this year. And then on the other side, Bri, how about Gabriel Santos, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely looked ready for the big show in his Mm -hmm. debut. Short notice against Lerone Murphy at UFC 286. I would argue he might have won the fight. One of the judges mm-hmm. actually gave him all three rounds. So now mm-hmm. Santos spins it forward, perhaps prohibitively favored against a talented David Onama. Which way you go? I mean, Lerone Murphy, I have high regards for. So Gabriel Santos immediately made my big board of guys to watch after that performance. His performances outside the UFC before getting in the UFC is very good too. His record is, is, is pretty balanced. It's not like weak. You know, you see a lot of weak records sometimes. But David Onama is a really good fighter. I mean, I know he lost to Nate Landwehr, and I know I mean, we're not going to say his name, but there's a, a head coach that I don't want to get a blow dart in my neck by the commission, uh-huh. but there's a head coach that used to coach this guy, and, and that kind of unraveled everything after his fight. But uh, Onama's very good, and he's good on the ground as well. That's what that's interesting. He's big. He's good on the ground. My problem with Onama is his defense, right? His defense really isn't there. He's got great punches, doesn't overwhelm you in volume. He's big. Hadn't shown a ton of power yet. The Mason Jones fight, though, showed incredible heart and cardio. Oh, yeah. Nate Landwehr fight, though, he kind of broke. So I'm a little curious of what Onama is going to show up. And I can't – I get the googly eyes. I mean, CLD burned me last week because of the googly yeah. eyes. So I'm not going to get the googly eyes for Santos, even though I think he's a great guy. And when you're giving me plus 195 against David Onama, who is a great prospect, that's a big number. Um, I think he can win this fight. And, again, I, I, I'm looking at value, and that's a value play. You play the number, not the fighter. I think Onama can go out there, win the decision, possibly – 
uh, take over the fight. So uh, give me David Onama. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, I was way off in terms of my prediction for what this betting line would be. I thought Santos mm-hmm. would be minus 175. He's minus yeah. 230 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Ken Flo, any value for you on Onama, or do you like the chalk selection, Gabriel Santos? Oh, I definitely think there's some value uh, on Onama. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder where his head is at after that loss against Landwehr. I know in January he went over to Colorado, was training over at Factory X now, uh, which, which may be a good change for him. But you don't become a great grappler overnight. You don't become a great grappler in six months. And I think some of the things I saw on the ground against Landwehr was was troubling, to be honest. You know, his grappling has to be way better than that. I think that's why we see this number here for Santos, who Mm. um, could be a problem on the ground. Now, Santos could be a problem on the feet as well. I I don't know if he wants to stand for 15 minutes uh, against someone like Onama. I think Onama is going to be very dangerous. Um, but you know, the other, the other hesitation for me in Onama is the condition, you know, he just completely gassed out in that fight, obviously an insane pace against Landwehr, but, um, I, I think that hurt him. Santos can go, dude, he can go hard for 15 minutes. I think he can mix things up for 15 minutes where he needs to be careful though, is standing in front of Onama for too long. I see value for Onama. I'm hesitant. I'm going to stick with Santos here unless I see something different on on you know this fight week here but uh i'm going with the brazilian santos nice we like the disagreement that's at least two so far and three technically if you count ken flow's no selection on bruno silva and brendan allen all right at heavyweight justin Tapa 180 austin lane plus 155 so this fight was promoted to the abc main card Largely, I think, because Austin Lane is local. He fights out of Jacksonville, Florida. He was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fifth round of the 2010 NFL draft. Second highest draftee to cross into the UFC. Marcus Jones was a first-round pick. Greg Hardy was picked in round six. And five years after we all watched Austin Lane get knocked out by Greg Hardy on Dana White's Contender Series, he has put in the work. He has arrived at the UFC debut. And now Justin Badman Taffa awaits Brian Petrie. Who do you like in the heavyweight matchup here? Some big boys. Yeah, I love uh, Austin Lane. I mean, that we, that could have been the last we saw of him when he got knocked out by Greg right. Hardy. You know, it's like all two former NFL guys, but he and he lost his next fight after that by yeah. knockout. And then now he's really putting together. That's a good mental toughness there. As far as skills go, he's athletic, obviously, with his, with his previous background. I don't love the way he strikes necessarily, in my opinion. I think Tafa is a heavy hitter. I think Austin Lane's head is very hittable. His chin's up in the air. His hands are there. He wants to hit, and then he'll be like, I can take a hit, but let me hit you because he believes in his power. Wrong way to go against Justin Tafa, the bad man. This dude can fucking crack he's starting to really kind of sure up his cardio as well i mean it's not the best cardio but he's gone you know he's lost some ugly losses but he's gone his last two i want to see him a little more active here hopefully these breaks away he's, t- he's working his takedown defense he's working his get up game this guy's not going to be frank Mir off his back anytime soon so right. let's get up off the mat um give me oh. top of my knockout that's a prop i like as well probably not going to be the juiciest number because Austin Lane has been knocked out before, and yeah. that's all Tafa does knock people out. But that's the play I like here. I would avoid the money line. I like uh, I like Tafa by KO. You can probably even go KO round one, get even juicier. But you know right. that's that's to be a, a, a selected another day. Give me Tafa. Yeah, Tafa right now minus one eighty on the money line, probably closer to even money or minus one twenty or so if you like him by knockout. Yeah, coming in off a knockout of Parker Porter at UFC two eighty four in Perth, inactivity has been part of the narrative on Tafa. Missed all of two thousand twenty two. Kemflo, your thoughts on? Bad man Tafa here against Austin Lane. 
And for Topa also, you know, I, I wonder sometimes about maybe perhaps work ethic. You know, he's missed weight a couple times, I think, and and I wonder about that. But he, he definitely has a, a lot of talent on on the feet, man. He is a problem. Um, I, I think for Austin Lane, who at six foot six is an absolute monster, um, you know, I think he's going to try to try to take this fight to the ground. Uh, he'll use his strikes from the outside and try to take him down probably up against the cage or something like that. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against top. I think top is um, a lot sharper uh, with his wrestling. It's still very, very vulnerable on his back as Brian alluded to. Uh, but I think he's got enough to keep it on the feet and land one of those big shots. I, I like Justin top here and I'm, and I'm willing to put two units on it. Well, uh, uh, for that one. Two unis, three hundred and sixty dollars yeah. to pay two hundred on Justin yeah. Bad Man. I just want to clarify oh, something. Please. I think Kenny is so sharp. The minute he puts extra units on people, I place that fucking bet. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's the this guy right here. I know we're in a competition. I'm supposed to, you know, talk a little shit, whatever. No, no, no. This is the guy that I I follow right here, man. So man. I love that. Right. Still trying to support Winnie Petrie at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I gotta make money. Yeah. All right. Co-made event at flyweight. Ninth ranked Amanda Hebos, minus 165, taking on number 11, Macy Barber, who is plus 140. As you guys know, Hebos has contended in two divisions, outpointed Viviani Araujo at UFC 285 back in March. And on the other side, how about Macy Barber, right? Don't look now. Four wins in a row, BP, mm-hmm. on the heels of a two-fight skid and that February 2021 loss to the now champ Alexa Grasso. She's essentially been perfect ever since. Your thoughts on her here in a huge spot against Amanda Hebos. So they might have to change my name from Big Gun to Dog the Bounty Hunter because I'm scooping up all these dogs. I love Macy Barber here. Listen, Manny Hebos has landing a lot of takedowns her last fight. Macy Barber, last four fights, has been taken down every single time. But she works her way to the feet. And if Macy Barber comes out with that bad bitch mean attitude and Manny Hebos is hittable and has been finished before on the feet, I like that. I feel like Macy Barber, though, she started off really hot. The knee injury, losing a Roxy. She hasn't really found her way yet, right? And there's been a lot of fights or whatever, but I do think she's going to start slowly finding her way. You know, she said she wanted to be the youngest champ. That's now gone. Let's get some wins. And a big win over Mandy Hebos is going to put you right there. Plus 155. I think this is going to be a close fight. I think this is going to be you're holding your ticket, seeing what kind of judges are on this night, you know, see what Jacksonville's got to have for us. But right. I like I like Macy Barber here, man. The younger, aggressive fighter. I love him in Hebos. Her disposition, she seems like the nicest, sweetest girl in the world, easy to root for. But, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make friends here. Plus 155, give me Macy Barber. All right, Ken Flo, Macy Barber, Amanda Hebos, which way are you going? All right, for, for those that are watching on video, let's see if we can, we can see Brian squirm in his chair here. Uh, you know, I uh, <laughs> I love this fight. This is very interesting. And, and Macy Barber is extremely tough, man. She's going to fight to the very end. I just think this is a very difficult matchup for her because I think she does her best work when she is taking people down. Can she take down Hebos here, uh, who is a judo black belt? I don't think so. I think Hebos is going to be a little too technical on the feet for her. I think they're about even when it comes to striking. Maybe Macy has a little bit more power. I think mm-hmm. Hebos needs to be aware uh, there, but um, you know, I don't know if one can finish the other, but I like Hebos here. I like Hebos here so much. I want to put three units on Amanda Hebos. I think she's going to be able to hit takedowns. I think she's going to be able Shit. to stop the takedowns of Macy Barber. I think Macy's going to get frustrated here. And uh, and Hebus finds a way to win. 
So look yeah. at this guy pulling out. <laughs> I just made him nervous. I just made him nervous there. Well, now what I the fuck am nervous. I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm rocking so with Barber. I'm rocking with Barber. That was a fight that, that gave me the most trouble. And I dove yeah, into yeah. the archives. And I'm like, man, I, I just think Barber can get a decision here. So you have up to five units to extend. Ken Flo's mm-hmm. going a two-unit play on Justin Taffa and a three-unit $495 wager on Amanda Hebas. Don't have to tell the audience that fight, that co-main event this weekend, a massive swing between these yeah. two gentlemen. All right, right back to Ken Flo to lead us off for the main event in the men's featherweight division. Ooh. Wide price here right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Ilya Topuria minus 330. So a $330 straight bet on Topuria would yield $100 back. Josh Emmett is plus 275. As you guys know, this fight is taking place just two weeks prior to Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez unifying the titles in this division. Emmett fought Rodriguez for the interim belt in Perth earlier this year. Largely, he was dominated by a very on-point Yair Rodriguez. Topoli's never lost undefeated Kenny. He submitted Bryce Mitchell last December to move to 13-0. 5-0 with four finishes in the UFC. Kenny, your thoughts on Topuria in a main event here live on ABC against Josh Emmett. Dude, right now my brain is doing shuttle runs back and forth between Emmett and Topuria to this yeah. to this moment. But, you know, when I break it down and I'm thinking about value plays here, um, I, 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 I look at both of their games here, but I think there's great value on Emmett, a guy who has so much experience. I think Topuria is very fundamentally sound. We have seen him uh, hit. We have seen him hurt. We've seen him battle back. Um, But I don't know if you battle back uh, against a shot like Emmett. If Emmett hits you, he hurts you, and you don't really come back. Emmett has great killer instinct when he gets you out of there. And I think, assuming he still is in this game, mentally, physically, spiritually, I have to imagine he's going to learn a lot from that last fight against Yair Rodriguez. Um, uh, I don't see Toporia having that type of Yair type speed. Very few do. There's like maybe top 0.1% of the UFC have that kind of speed. Toporia, he's fast. He's not slow, but he's more um, the pace that he keeps is more this consistent rhythm. There's a movement and Emmett does well against those kind of guys. He can get his timing against guys like that. And that's what worries me in this fight. Tuporia, I think if he's able to take down Emmett, I think that's his best best path to victory. Can he do that against Emmett, though? And can he do that consistently? I'm not so sure. So Emmett does have to be careful with his kicks, you know, um, especially. You know, he doesn't want those kicks to get caught and have Tuporia on top of him. That's where Tuporia can, can not only win this fight, but, but finish this fight. Um, but I think there's enough value for Emmett here. For me, we're at plus 275. I like it. I have a lot of uh, you know respect for Topuria. I think there's a guy who could definitely fight for the belt in the future. But I think Emmett still, if he's mentally, physically, spiritually in it, I like Emmett here. I, I think he can get this uh, this win. And I do believe that he is mentally, physically, and spiritually still in it. I believe he feels mm-hmm. like now, after the uh, year Rodriguez result, this is the last-ditch effort to make one final concerted effort. Yeah. It is crazy to me, Brian, to see a plus mm-hmm. 275 next to Josh Emmett, just given the fact that Ilya Topuria is a little bit untested in the mm-hmm. UFC. And sure. I say that with all due respect to Bryce Mitchell and the strength of his schedule, but Josh Emmett has spent years against this division's elite. So... 
With that backdrop, any value for you on Emmett, or are you bullish on Topuria at minus three thirty or otherwise? I mean, of course, when you when you hang a plus two seventy on a guy like Josh Emmett, yeah, you're looking at it. You're looking at it good. And I like the quick turn. This is a guy who usually fights and breaks his whole body, takes eighteen months off, and he comes right. back. Right, quick turn against a brutal fight. I mean, Yair Rodriguez. I don't know who. Maybe Alexander Volkanovsky, but I don't know who else was beating him that night. He was on fucking fire, and Emmett took some hellacious shots, and obviously got finished on the ground. So Pori is a guy who I have faded. I mean, I picked Bryce Mitchell against him. That was one of my bad takes, my bad bets. I mean, I was there live. I saw it. Bryce got ragdog. No, he had the flu or whatever, but I keep getting my own way because I know Toporia goes American top team, but he does a lot of his camps out in Spain. Spain's not like a hotbed for MMA. There's not like a ton of guys out there. So I get my own head going, well, he's not really training with anybody, right? But then you watch the guy's skills. His boxing is phenomenal. His strength is there as well. He's popped up to 55. Got hurt by Jai Herbert. Now he's 45, which I think the compact body, his strength is there. Speed kills, right? Emmett's timing is really good. He's fast. He's not the slowest guy in the division. Big, big power. But his timing is really fucking good. And uh, uh, Torporia has got to be on his toes. I'm like Kenny. I was back and forth on this as well. But since Kenny has laid his dick out on the table three, four times right. with the three unit, two unit, I got to do something. I thought, hey, I'm not going to add extra units because I'm taking a lot of dogs here. Give me five unis on yes. Taporia. Hey. I need to get back in this, baby. Five unis on Taporia. Dang. That's the way to do My it. My hands bro. are sweaty now. <laughs> that you is perhaps the largest singular bet of the year. $1,650 on Ilya Topuria to win 500 wow. For Brian Petrie, for whom fear is just not a factor. And if you no. want more from him, it's at Brian Petrie MMA. Glad you're home safely, buddy. Best to the family. And uh, we'll talk to you next Monday, if not sooner. I got to get this in, Johnny. I got a prelim pick. I got to get it in because, you know, I need need the points. Who who we got? So I could go Zalgus again. Everyone's running from the haircut, you know. Uh, 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 I could go Tashira Tyra, minus 300. You're going to see a lot of guys going, that's my best bet of the week. Yeah, it's minus 300, asshole. I'm going to give you a dog here. Jack Jenkins against Jamal Emmers at plus 140 screams, Crazy to me. Jamal Emers has a ton, a ton of experience. Good wrestler, fought everyone. But Jack Jenkins, if he's on point, this kid's a problem. Good grappler, good striker. Uh, and you're hanging plus 140 on me. Already placed the bet. It's already locked up in DraftKings. Jack Jenkins. Let's go. I like that. Far Jack Jenkins. And my apologies yeah. for short change. No, don't worry we about it. Yeah, the extra my selection. All right. Well, we'll be in touch. I'm actually going to be at Disney World on Monday. So it might be Ooh. Monday night or Tuesday, but sure. we will uh, we will take that off the air. Appreciate your contributions awesome. as always, kid. We'll talk to you next week. See you, boys. See you, All right. That's it for the main event challenge. And we got to get on out of here. Thanks to everybody watching on the DraftKings YouTube channel on the newly minted DraftKings network audio side. Nothing changes. We appreciate everybody's support over the last eight years and running. If you want merchandise from the show, you can go to anaclorianpodcast.com. One more sleep merch can be found at millions.co. Kenny Florian martial arts.com is live. Don't forget if you are in the Boston area, Kenny's going to be at the Florian martial arts center on Monday night. And I uh, also would encourage you to follow Argus integrated defense on Instagram as well. Trust me on that one. You'll go down a rabbit hole and you'll spend your whole day on the feed. Like I did. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Brian Petrie. The executive producer of this fine program is Cody Merrow, who will have a lot of fun in post with me falling out of the chair and breaking it today. Thank you all for listening. We are back either Monday night or Tuesday to look back at Josh Emmett and Ilya Topuria and get you ready for another UFC live event next weekend. Until then, be well, be safe, health and happiness.
Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.